Hey, it's you, man, from KC95 here. Good evening, and welcome to Toasted Tavern. Your host, Scott Tobin, and the man called Wags are ready to bring you the night in sports. So pull up a stool, grab a drink, and let's get toasted. And good evening and welcome into the Toasted Tavern. And it is football season officially. The NFL has kicked off and we're in the middle of the first game of the season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers hoisting the championship banner and they are hosting the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to talk a little bit about that game as well as give you our week one picks here in just a little bit. Uh, Scott, it's been a lo- another long week, but uh, it, it kind of ended on a positive to an extent, I mean, we got a whole weekend series with the Cardinals coming up, but the last two days have been pretty good for Cardinals fans. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. It was a fun four days at Bush Stadium. I'm not going to lie. Albert was back, and there was definitely some electricity in Bush Stadium. And I'm going to tell you, the loudest that the ballpark was all year long was on Tuesday night when Albert decided to hit that third pitch of his first at bat out of the ballpark. Between that and Monday night, when in about the seventh inning, fans started chanting, We won Albert, which <laughs> that was crazy too, but the whole ballpark was chanting "We won Albert," which was pretty a pretty cool moment. I can only imagine. I mean, I was there for his first series back with the Angels, and I remember how exciting that was with the fans and all that. And there, it was a packed house, and everybody was there to see him. It was just an electric event. And yeah, the, the crowds haven't been as big as they were at that point, and they haven't really been big all year. But it's nice to know that you know fans are still coming out to support Albert. Uh, and, and really wanting to see him. And it just goes into something that we were talking about before we came on tonight was the fact that it's looking more and more likely that Albert will probably find his way back into a Cardinal uniform next year. I mean, you've got people like Wainwright continuing to talk to him. Yachty is obviously talking to him. And you got Tony La Russa and Walt Jockety and even John Daly coming out and saying, dude, you need to come back to the Cardinals next year. I mean, you were talking about how it, it it's almost something that they can't screw up, but could the Cardinals find a way to screw up the return of Alberts? Oh, it's possible. It's possible. You know, it's all going to come down to money, you know, and what, and what Mo wants to do, because, you know, he's not going to cater to the fans. It's going to be, you know, John Moselock thinking he's smarter than everybody else. So we'll see. But I mean, if there's a D, it, you know, it's going to come down to, there has to be a designated hitter in the national league for it to work. But if there's a DH, I mean, I don't see any way that it doesn't make sense for Albert to come back because you're going to sell tickets, you're going to sell jerseys, you're going to sell, you know, you're going to sell every piece of Cardinal memorabilia with Albert Pujol, Shadi, or Molina, and Adam Wainwright on it you could possibly imagine. So I don't know how you don't do that, you know, just in the fact that you're going to make buku money if the three of them do the one last, one last run, the last dance Cardinals version. And someone better be filming it because that documentary could end up being as good as the Michael Jordan one, if not better, because maybe the Cardinals like the Bulls win a championship in their last year here. I mean, yes, you're, you're talking about everything under the sun that you could sell merchandise wise. You're going to have fans hopefully flocking to the park to see Yadier Molina, who's already confirmed that next year is his last year. Adam Wainwright's coming back for one more year. He hasn't officially said that it is his last year, but you know earlier he said that he's only got a year or two left when he signed his one-year deal coming into this season. So it, more, more or less it's going to be his last year. Albert, I, I mean, I could see it being his last year, but I also could see him maybe going another year or two, depending on how he feels. And with that DH still in play, you just never know. Uh, but you could be seeing those three guys in the final year of their careers. And 
fans no doubtedly have to go to Bush Stadium to see it, and they will sell out. And th- th- that's a little piece of me that scares me in-, in bringing back Albert, in a sense, because if the team knows that they're going to pack the stands because Yachty, Adam, and Albert are in their final years, isn't there a little piece that may go, hey, we don't need to upgrade the shortstop position. Hey, we don't need to get a leadoff hitter because we're going to be packed when it comes to fans in the ballpark. We don't necessarily need a winning team on the field. It, it, that that has to enter your mind at least a little bit, right? I don't think so because I think they saw this year. I think I think they thought, you know, this could be Yachty's last year. This could be Bueno's last year. And you brought in Nolan Arenado. Hey, we don't need to do anything else. We're going to sell a ton of tickets. Well, we ran into June and the team wasn't good, and all of a sudden people weren't showing up. Um, so I think I think they see, I think they've heard that the fans are not happy, that the fans want them to be competitive again. And I don't think that Albert comes back unless you sell him on the fact that hey, we're going to go at, we're going to go for it, we're going to go win because I think Albert still wants to win, as do Yadi and Wayno. I think you know that's a big part of it is that they all want to win. And so I think that happens. And here's an idea. You're going to bring back Yachty. You're going to bring back Wayno. You might bring back Albert. Why not uh, Why not go get another one of Albert's teammates that uh, decided that the two of them needed to take a picture on the field at Bush Stadium with the arch in the background the other day. Max insisted that him and Albert had to have a picture with the Cardinals scoreboard and the arch behind them. Why not? Uh, why not bring Max back too? And you know he's only got a year or two left. Maybe Scherzer comes back for one more year, and they all go out together. How about that? So all of a sudden, this trio has now become a quartet. And uh, why not? I mean, that would be the most ideal situation I think you could even imagine. And if they can go out and, and get a shortstop that would be able to maybe hit at the top of the lineup as well, I think that would be the piece of resistance would would be that. And then all of a sudden, you've got a leadoff hitter. You've got a two, three, four, five, even six with Tyler O'Neill in there and Dylan Carlson that could really do damage. You've got Yachty behind the plate, still controlling the base pass and the pitching staff. You've got the DH in play now, and you've got speed with guys like Tommy Edmond coming off the bench or or spot starts and, and then Harrison Bader in the outfield. I mean, it could be a really dangerous team. And then you throw Scherzer at the front of that rotation with Jack Flaherty. You got an Adam Wainwright who's pitching unbelievably. Uh, you've got a guy like Matthew Libertor who might even be in that rotation as well. All of a sudden, the, this depth that this team has is, is you know professed for years actually looks like it may be there. And you've added in star power at a high price, even for just a short time, especially with Scherzer being in that, in that case. Uh, yeah, you're talking about one last run. Uh, I, I'm all in if that happens. Yeah, you know, and since Albert and Sch- we're bringing Albert and Scherzer, they might as well just go ahead and get Corey Seager to jump on over with them too. All three of them could come over together, you know, and make a run, and that would look pretty good. Yeah, Albert's going to sit there and say, hey, you know, you've been with the Dodgers. You, you've, you've been to the promised land once. You, you get there a couple of times. You go to the World Series three straight years, but you only win one. I mean, you got to come to an organization that actually knows how to win when they get there, and that's the Cardinals. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Corey, why, why, don't you, why don't you come on with us, and we'll show you how it's done in Championshipville. Yeah, who else can we bring over? Let's spend as much to win money as possible. <laughs> uh, let's see. I mean, I haven't seen him pitch, but you know, how's David Price looking this year? <laughs> yeah, and we, we we might we might pass on that one, but. Uh... <laughs> well, yeah. You speaking of, you know, Alex Reyes is a guy that you're going you know, to possibly talking about going into the rotation as well. I mean, I'm now all of a sudden you've just got 
a rotation that could be absolutely deadly. I mean, I'm just thinking through all this and I'm excited for next year. I, I can't believe I'm saying that without anybody signing per se, but I'm, I'm excited for next season already. I am too. I am excited for next year because I think they are going to go spend money. Do I think they're really going to bring in Scherzer and Seager? And probably not. You're probably going to get, you're probably going to get a shortstop and maybe Albert and maybe another bench piece or two. You're probably not going to get a $300 million shortstop and a $50 million pitcher. That's probably not going to happen. But if you get one of those guys, you get Albert and you add another couple of pieces around them. I think you're in pretty good shape. Um, you know, assuming that Flaherty's back and healthy, that Dakota Hudson's back and healthy, that Wayno's there. And then you fill out, you know, hopefully Reyes is able to go in that rotation. I've got a lot of questions about Miles Michaelis ever really being healthy enough to be in the rotation and be decent. I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping that, you know, he has a good offseason and comes back and is healthy. But there's a lot of questions there. But I'm very excited about Dakota Hudson, the way he's pitched in his rehab and we're probably going to see him here in St. Louis in a week or so. Yeah. I'm excited for that as well. He was uh, one of the more consistent pitchers last year. And uh, then he goes down with the injury and you're just like, ah, oh, another young career derailed by Tommy John and, and all that and injury and all that. So yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, and the Cardinals are still fighting for it. I mean, they, they take down the Dodgers two to one today. They won the last two games of the series, split the four game set with the Dodgers, Andrew Kisner and RBI double uh, Tyler O'Neill, the go ahead solo home run in the fifth inning. Like I said earlier, Jake Woodford had a good game, four innings pitch, three hits and earned run two walks, three K's. Alex Reyes picks up the win after going two innings with uh, just a hit and two strikeouts. Cardinals remain about three games back of San Diego in the wild card race, and they begin a huge set against the Cincinnati Reds beginning tomorrow at home. That could uh, that series right there could pull them closer to that second wild card spot, maybe even help them surpass the Reds as the team that's chasing San Diego. Uh, it's it's going to be an intense series this weekend. What are we expecting with the temperatures starting to get back into the nineties? Yeah, it's going to be a big series. Um, you, you've got to win two out of three. I mean, that's what you have at the bare minimum. You really need to sweep the Reds and it's going to be a, it's going to be an intense weekend at Bush Stadium because there's a lot going on Saturday as it's the 20 year anniversary of nine 11. And there's a lot of tributes planned. Um, so that, that'll be a big day on Saturday. And then, you know, just a big weekend in general. And then, you know, you get into next weekend, you go on the road and then you come home next weekend and then you've got the Padres. So these yeah. next two weekends at home, are going to be huge, huge series for the Cardinals. That they are. And then speaking of big things going on downtown, Friday is Blues Night at the Cardinals game. They're going to have right. you know, the, the, the Cardinals Blues jersey, essentially. And then they're also going to unveil the Blues Winter Classic jersey before that. And one guy that is potential as maybe a guy that's going to unveil it and throw out the first pitch possibly is one of our old friends here in St. Louis and a guy that made some news today, and that's Mr. David Backus. Uh, as you can see, he's sitting there writing a letter, and, and that letter is basically him agreeing to a one-day contract with the St. Louis Blues in order for him to retire at the end of his career. Now, David Backus, as you know, 62nd pick in the 03 intro draft. He spent 10 years in the Blue Note up at the NHL level was the 20th captain in Blues history beginning in 2011. Never got to the Stanley Cup Finals with the Blues. Got there with Boston. Just so happened to be against the Blues and did not win that one. But David Back is just a, a class act when it comes to person, player, and overall human being. 
uh, the, the work he does with the, the animal community, uh, just his interactions with the community in general uh, made him a guy that was St. Louis through and through. He wasn't born here, but he was St. Louis through and through. He, he wanted to come back to St. Louis. I remember the last game he played uh, was with Anaheim here in St. Louis, an emotional game. He got handshake line afterwards from all the, the current Blues players. He had the great interview with Darren Pang after that. And, and in his letter, basically, he said, after that last game, he knew he needed to come back to St. Louis to retire. And David Backus is a guy I modeled my hockey game after. Uh, he's a guy that I thoroughly enjoyed watching play. He took over the mantle from Keith Kachuk when Keith Kachuk retired. Actually lived with Kachuk for a little while as well. Uh, but but David Backus is a big, big influential piece in my hockey fandom and a lot of Blues hockey's uh, fans' fandom as well. And uh, he does retire today. Uh, what are your thoughts on David Backus? Yeah, like you said, a good person, all the stuff that he does with the animal stuff, you know, all of that stuff that him and his wife have done for years. And then, you know, he was a huge part of turning the Blues around again, you know, going from those really bad teams we saw after the lockout and everything. He was a big part of kind of rebuilding the Blues, rebuilding the Blues and kind of turning the fortunes of this franchise back around and kind of building, leading to the building of the team that we saw win the Stanley Cup. He was a big part of kind of, putting that together and starting to build the building blocks that led to that cup eventually. That is. Yeah. And he didn't get a chance to, you know, bear fruit from that, from that labor, but guys like Alex Petrangelo, Alex Steen, all those guys benefited from David Backus being the captain and being the voice of that team. And like you said, yeah, he was a steadying part of that rebuild. Essentially. He, he spent a lot of time near the bottom of the standings, but being able to, bring this team back up to prominence uh, representing team USA as well in the Olympics and on the world championship stages as well. And this is from a guy that had no connection to hockey, essentially growing up. It's not like he was a a guy that was part of a family of hockey players. You know, he was basically the start of it and to basically be a guy that wasn't a a leading goal scorer, wasn't an assist magnet or or anything like that. He was just a hard nosed, solid player uh, to be drafted as high as he was third round to be a captain uh, of a storied franchise and to be a respected member of the international hockey community. It just shows you what kind of person David Backus is. And I'm, I'm thankful and glad that the blues are the class organization that they are brought him back so he could retire as a blue. Yeah. Cool moment. Cool thing that they did that. And, uh, congratulations to David. And yeah, that would be really cool if he's the guy that comes out wearing the Jersey and, kind of introduces that jersey for the Winter Classic next year. I think if both organizations, the Cardinals and Blues, are smart, I think they are, I think that's what's going to happen. So I'm a little upset I won't be at the game tomorrow night. So make sure you make sure you snap some pictures if you can. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> All right, let's get into what we want to talk about tonight because, like I said at the top of the show, the NFL is back. It is Thursday night. It's the first game of the season. Tampa Bay, Dallas. The Bucs are raising their championship banner tonight. The uh, first half is over, uh, 21-16 Tampa Bay lead. And I, we were talking once again before the show about kind of how surprising this game has been a little bit. I mean, Tom Brady, three touchdown passes. Dak Prescott has looked halfway decent. Uh, the Bucks' offense has been a little sloppy, uh, has basically given Dallas's defense a couple of turnovers it's just been a really kind of odd game. And it, it always is because you think that the, the team that's raising the banner is a little bit hyped up, a little bit 
tight essentially because they have to go through all this pomp and circumstance. But I, I agree with you 100%. I think Tom Brady looks locked in, ready to go, and he could be even better than he was last year. He does look good, although he threw a really ugly interception right at the end of the half there. Um, but yeah, Tampa's just looked sloppy. You know, three turnovers in the second quarter has kept Dallas in the game for the most part, giving them short fields to allow them to score a couple of times. Um, Dallas would be in better shape. Greg Zerline missed an extra point and a field goal, or this game would two, be included. Two field, two field goals. goals. Uh, you're right. Two field goals. So Dallas could actually be in the lead right now, if not for that. And, uh, you know, first game of the season. They're always a little bit sloppy, especially when you're only playing two preseason games and a lot of guys, a lot of the starters didn't play preseason at all. You know, and the fact that guys just don't practice as much, you know, because of the new rules, trying to keep guys healthier and whatever. Um, you know, guys just aren't as sharp the first couple of weeks of the season as they used to be, and we're seeing a little bit of that tonight. I, I can tell in your voice, and I know you're a former football player, I can tell in your voice that you don't like the fact that they're not practicing as much. <laughs> No, they're, it, it it hurts the game. You know, they, you can say it's, it makes it better. It keeps guys healthier, but the game's just sloppier. You know, everybody talks about, well, tackling's not as sharp. Well, yeah, because guys aren't practicing tackling. You know, they're not practicing as much. They're not practicing as much in full shells. You know, a lot of times it's just helmet and shoulder pads, and they're not really hitting. And You know, a lot of the fundamentals of the game just are, are not where they used to be because guys are not practicing as much. They're not doing as many reps. There's – you know, again, it's all about safety and trying to keep guys healthy, or at least that's what the league says. But uh, in the long run, I think it hurts the quality of football that you see. I, I can agree with you because you played, so you know what you're talking about. I've never played football in any way, shape, or form outside of, you know, in the streets. So uh, I know that my conditioning wasn't great just playing street ball. So not being able to practice or, or what have you as a professional – I can totally see why things might be sloppy. Yeah, it still drives me crazy. You know, I grew up a long time ago, unfortunately. You know, and our first day of football practice when we were kids, you know, it was that first Monday in August, you know, it'd be like the 6th or 7th. It'd be 100 degrees outside. You get to practice at 7 o'clock in the morning, and the first thing you did was put on your helmet and your shoulder pads and run a mile for time, you know, and then you then you played two days. Kids don't go to two days anymore. You know they don't have two days. They practice at night. You know it's just. And I realize it's all about trying to keep kids healthy and not get people sick and stuff. But it's just I don't know. I, I'm like, it's not the same game that I grew up loving in a lot of ways. I, I know, I know it is, and a lot of that has changed in in many sports. And you talk about specialized sports and all that kind of stuff. It it's definitely changed in the time frame from when you and I were back in high school and middle school and elementary school and, and all of that. So it, it's a unique thing to look at. And I mean, I, I will say this though. I mean, it does seem like guys in certain sports and positions are able to play longer because of it. Now, now granted, it's also about conditioning and nutrition and, and all the things that they have essentially learned in that time frame as well. I mean, hell you're looking at Tom Brady's, you know, in his forties and he's looking, you know, two thirteen, three touchdowns, two picks tonight. Now that last pick wasn't really, I don't think it was ugly. I mean, it was a hail Mary. I mean, those things are going to happen. Uh, but still, I mean, he's, he's, he's looked pretty sharp tonight for a guy in his forties playing professional quarterback. Oh yeah. No, I'm not going to take anything away from Tom Brady. Yeah. For the most part, he's looked very sharp. 
And, you know, this Tampa Bay offense is going to be really tough to beat as you get into a rhythm and they get into more games. They just have been a little bit off tonight, although we've seen some big plays and we've seen the veterans make big plays. Antonio Brown had a big first half. Rob Gronkowski caught a touchdown. The 99th touchdown between Gronkowski and Tom Brady in their storied careers. So, you know, that's uh, they're, they're going to be tough to beat, and that Tampa defense is good. So I'm anxious to see if they play a little bit sharper in the second half. Bruce Arians, I'm sure, probably chewed them out a little bit, you know, because he's known for letting his team know exactly how he feels about things. So I'm anxious to see if they play a little sharper here in the second half. Well, and here's a quote from Arians straight from NBC. They're not taking this from us. We're giving it to them. That's a Bruce Arians quote. So, I mean, that right there tells you all you need to know. Nice pass defense there as well. Uh, speaking of Tampa Bay and how good they are, let's go ahead and jump into our NFC, NFC South preview real quick. You got Tampa Bay, Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans. Obviously, Tampa Bay, the defending champions. They return the entire team of starters on both sides of the football from last year's team. And you can tell already – why that's important because they seem to be cohesive at least early on yes there's been some sloppy play like we said earlier but for the most part they look like they are a team that's played together surprise surprise uh they have to be the class of this this division because new orleans has a new quarterback they have no more drew Brees. atlanta matt ryan's getting older you're not really sure what that offense is going to produce and, and carolina's got a new quarterback they still have christian mccaffrey but this this is tampa bay's division to lose Oh, yeah. It's not even going to be close. Tampa's going to run away with this division. Um, the rest of the division, I don't even know for sure exactly how I would line that up because I think there's so many questions, like you said, with all three of those teams uh, that, you know, New Orleans New Orleans and Atlanta, I think, will probably be second and third. I think Carolina brings up the rear just because they don't have quite as much talent on that team, especially offensively. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of Christian McCaffrey, and that's about it offensively in a lot of ways. You know, and we don't know how Sam Darnold's going to play in a new system in a new city with new weapons. So I think I think it probably, if I had to guess, I would say it's probably going to be New Orleans and Atlanta second, third, and then Carolina fourth. But uh, there's a lot of questions there that could very easily get flipped. See, and I'm going to be – uh, a little bullish and surprising on this. I'm, I'm actually thinking that Carolina will probably end up second in this division. I think you're going to have Tampa, Carolina right after that. I like Atlanta in third, and I think New Orleans is going to bring up the rear. I, I just, without Michael Thomas, you, you know, he's already out for the first six games anyway, being on the pup list. Uh, Alvin Kamara is a, a stud, but if, the, if they're going to have to focus on Alvin, if they're all they're doing is focusing on Alvin Kamara, then they're going to be able to shut him down because, you know, Emmanuel Sanders isn't there anymore. Uh, Jameis Winston's the quarterback. And yes, he's had a lot of success in his career. He's led the league in touchdowns, but he's also led the league in interceptions pretty much the same year, I believe. Uh, I, I just don't know if you can fully trust Jameis Winston as the starting quarterback in New Orleans. And that defense is kind of suspect as well. Uh, I like the youth that Carolina brings. I think Sam Darnold can be productive in that system. Uh, I, I just, I, I really, I'm, I'm liking Carolina. I, I think they, they are a dark horse team. Um, yeah. They, they've, they're going to have some, some games that they, that they lose that they probably should have won, but I think they're going to be pretty good. So I'm, I'm going to slot them in at number two for me. I think Atlanta is just, it's the same team over and over and over again. You've got some talent. They're going to win some games. They shouldn't, they're going to lose some games. They should have won. Their defense is going to be okay. Their offense is going to be eh. And they're just going to be 
a 500-ish type of team. And, and that's having some decent talent. I mean, Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. Calvin Ridley's a great receiver. But you lose Julio Jones, so now people are going to key in on Ridley. I just – I don't see them exciting anybody this year. So uh, I, I like Tampa, Carolina, Atlanta, New Orleans. Yeah, I, I think Atlanta's offense is going to be good. Ridley and then the tight end pits is going to be really good, I think. Um and while I say those guys are going to be two, three, and four, I honestly can see that division being basically something like Tampa's like 13 and four. And then the rest of them are like nine and seven, eight and eight and seven and nine. <laughs> yeah, they, they could all be within a game of each other. No question. Uh, I mean, the other reason I like Carolina, they got, you know, they brought in Robbie Anderson too. He's got that connection with Sam Darnold. So Darnold has a receiver that he's comfortable with that he can throw to. You throw in McCaffrey and that as well. DJ Moore could be another big time player on that team as well. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of why I, I'm a big fan of Carolina. But I think you're right. I think those three teams are going to be clumped together. And then it's just really a matter of who does better in the division. I mean, it's going to come down to divisional play for those three teams. And I, I'm not going to sit there and say Carolina is a, a wild card contender, but they, they could be. It, it's not a given, but they definitely could be. Whoever's in second in the South could very well be a wild card contender. Yeah. I mean, like we've talked about so many times, the NFC is so kind of just kind of up for grabs other than those top couple of teams that uh, anybody I think could really make a run and surprise people and get in that wild card hunt. That and they some, could. Oh, and, and something that we didn't talk about and something that I almost forgot about when we talked about this is also the fact that New Orleans is not going to get to play at the Superdome yeah. for the first month or so of the season. That's a huge piece of it as well. I mean, they use that to their advantage so many times throughout their, uh, their tenure in New Orleans. And yeah, just the fact that they're not going to be there is going to be difficult to say the least, because it's not even so much just the, the fan part of it. It's the comfortability. Now you're staying in a hotel. Now you're away from your family. It's like a road game. So even your home games are going to feel like road games. And sometimes that can throw a player's mentality off pretty easily. It can, it can. And you can't underestimate the amount of noise that they create in that Superdome. That's very true as well. And as they're going up against the Packers this weekend, you want to do everything you possibly can to disrupt an Aaron Rodgers or a Devontae Adams or even some of the younger guys on that Packers team. We'll get to our picks here in just a little bit, but we're going to jump down to the uh, NFC West as well. we got to preview that division. you got the Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals, and 49ers. A lot of people are saying that this is going to be the best division in the NFL. Not me. I ain't saying that. I know you're not saying that, but – why would people look at this division and say it could be one of the best in the league? Because a lot of people are thinking that the Rams are going to be really good. Uh, people are looking at the Seahawks saying, you know, they're normally really good. San Francisco was in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. People think that they're going to rebound a little bit. And then you have an up-and-coming team in Arizona. So I, I can see why people think that. I don't think it's going to be the best division. I would probably put it as about the third best division in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, I can definitely see why people are thinking that. And, uh, you know, I kind of – I'll have some people surprised when I give my predictions for how that division is going to break down. But uh, as much as I hate to say it, I think probably with the quarterback that they went and got in the offseason, I think the Rams are probably the favorite team to win that division um, just because of the fact that you do have a quarterback now that can make all the throws, that can do some things – that Jared Goff couldn't do. Their defense, you you have two superstars on that defense. You have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. The rest of that defense, they've kind of let fall apart a little bit compared to what it was a couple of years ago. 
So those two guys are going to have to have big years. And then guys like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are going to have to stay healthy at wide receiver. But I think the Rams, I think the Rams can probably win that division. But again, I don't think it's going to be a division where you see guys run away with it. I think you're going to see a team. I think you're going to see a team like the Rams be somewhere in that 10 and 7, 11 and 6 range. And then everybody else kind of falls behind that. And, you know, with the last team being around 500. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people are living in the past when it comes to the NFC West. They're, they're looking at what Seattle has done. They're looking at what San Francisco has done. They're looking at what the Rams have done and can't potentially do with a new quarterback. You're looking at Arizona and, and all that as being an up-and-coming team. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting division to watch. It's going to be a competitive division. It's not going to be an ugly NFC East kind of thing from the last couple of years where – you might have a 500 team. You may have an under 500 team getting into the playoffs. I don't think it's going to be that. It is going to be a very competitive division, and those games are going to be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I, I do agree. I think Matt Stafford is a huge upgrade over Jared Goff. They, they've got some talent there. I mean, you got Daryl Henderson uh, at the running back position who could do some damage. Uh, I don't see them as being a run-heavy type of team, though. Um, but Matt Stafford, like you said, is a guy that can make the throws. He's a guy that can make the plays. He's a guy that wants to win. I mean, you saw that drive in Detroit, even with the terrible teams that he had around him. And you saw what he could do when he had talent with when Calvin Johnson was there. He, he's a guy that can make the throws and make, make plays. So now that he's going to have a couple of good receivers in Cup and Woods, if they stay healthy, like you said, They've got the defense as far as uh, the superstars are concerned with, with Ramsey and Donald. Um, it's going to be the Rams division to lose, I think. Uh, I think Arizona is going to be nipping at their heels. Uh, they are def- they were definitely the trendy pick last year. I think I picked them to win the, the division last year. It didn't pan out that way. They did lose Larry Fitzgerald, and I think that is going to hurt a little bit. But it is DeAndre Hopkins. It is Kyler Murray. I think they upgraded their offensive line, which is what they needed to do. Their defense is still pretty good as well. Uh, Seattle, I'm, I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan. I'm self-admitted. I'm a big Russell Wilson fan. I think he, he is a great quarterback. He's got some good, some good receivers. But for Seattle, it comes down to two things for me. It's do they have the ability to find a running game? And is that defense able to bounce back to what it was during the Legion of Boom days. Maybe not to that level, but at least part of that level. Um, You know, Jamal Adams signed the big deal to stick around in Seattle. Maybe he's now comfortable there and can help anchor that defense. But they're going to have to have defense and a running game in order to compete in this division. Then you got San Francisco, and, you know, a lot of people are are like, yeah, they're going to bounce back. For me, the question becomes, how long is it until we see Trey Lance? I think that's what this year is all about, is figuring out when they're going to insert Trey Lance into the rotation of quarterbacks and what that looks like and and what their timeline for competitiveness is going to be. Because I don't think they're a team that's going to be super competitive in the long run, but I think they want to give Trey Lance as much time in practice before they throw him to the Wolves. Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to can Jimmy G stay healthy enough for them to give Trey Lance time to progress. And I don't know if you saw it or not, but a couple of the scouts from the Patriots came out and said that Belichick said that they would never never had any interest in drafting Trey Lance because he'd be easy to beat because he's a one-trick pony. All he can do is throw the ball deep. Um, so I thought that was a pretty big shot before the season even started to come out of New England. Um, you know, I'm really excited to watch Arizona. You talked about Larry Fitzgerald 
not being there, which will be a loss, and I love Larry Fitzgerald. But I think A.J. Green at this point in his career may actually be an improvement in that position as that number two wide receiver. Um, so that's going to be interesting. I'm really excited to see what J.J. Watt does in Arizona. I think he's going to have a big year if he stays healthy. And that defense had gotten better. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Arizona is the number two team. I think Seattle is going to be the most interesting team to watch in the NFC because I'm really curious to see how Russell Wilson plays. Because you go back to last year, the first half of the year, you know, everybody was talking about Russell Wilson being the MVP, and he looked amazing. Then the second half of the season, he was a turnover machine, and, you know, he was throwing two or three interceptions every game and kind of looked like he didn't really care if he was out there or not. And we know, you know, all the questions about, you know, he wanted out of Seattle. Him and Pete Carroll have issues. Him and the general manager don't like each other. You know, so is Russell Wilson disgruntled? Does he want out of Seattle? You know, and then DK Metcalf, another guy who, you know, has diva issues, you know, likes to run his mouth, talk a lot. You know, he was disgruntled, didn't think he was getting the ball enough. So how does that relationship play out? And then, like you talked about their defense, you know, do they are they able to get enough of a pass rush? You know, they've got the stud safety that they went out and got, you know, from the Jets that we just talked to me talked about a few minutes ago. But he was hurt a lot last year. And, you know, he's more of a he's almost more of a linebacker playing safety. So how does their pass defense hold up? Does, is he able to be that kind of building block in the back end of that defense to try to build things around there? So they're really interesting. I don't think San Francisco is going to be very good. I just don't. I think that, I think they're kind of on the downturn, at least for the next couple of years, mainly because I have a lot of questions about both of their quarterbacks. So real quickly, if I was going to run that division, I, like I said, I think the Rams win. I think Arizona is right behind them. I think Seattle comes in third, and I think the 49ers come in fourth, which will surprise a lot of people because there's a lot of people picking the 49ers to win the NFC. Uh, yeah, I, I hope my boss is not watching this show because he's a huge 49ers fan. I, I really want to keep my job. So <laughs> me picking the 49ers uh, to be dead last in the, in the West probably won't endear myself to him. Uh, but he'll, he'll, he lives and dies with the 49ers. So And, and one of my buddies, Vu, uh, I used to play poker with a while ago. He, he and my boss are big time buddies because they're both 49ers fans. And uh, yeah, don't, don't hate me guys. Don't hate me. But that's just, that's just the way I see it. It's the way I right. see it. Uh, all right, let's get into week one because we've got some picks. Now, obviously we've both picked Tampa Bay to win this game. It's a 21, 19 Tampa Bay lead right now. Dallas is hanging around, uh, but we all think Tampa Bay is going to eventually win this game. So uh, let's move into what we've got coming up in the early slate of games. You've got the Eagles and the Falcons. Now we, we both, we both say Atlanta is going to, hey, man, what are we going to do here? What? But we both go with the, with the Falcons because you, you look over at Philadelphia and they're even more of a kind of team. Yeah. And this is a game, you know, if you look at the Falcons the last couple of years, this is a game that they should win, that they'll probably be up like 21 to nothing or 21 to three at halftime. And then you see the end result and somehow the Eagles have won. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen because I think Atlanta does win this one. But I kind of went back and forth trying to decide just because of that fact. It was about a coin flip for me. And I think it's just for me, it comes down to the fact that Atlanta knows who the quarterback is. Philadelphia doesn't. And right. that's going to be the difference in that game. Uh, the big one early on on Sunday is Pittsburgh at Buffalo. I think this game is going to be intense. Now, we know how the, the last time they, these two teams met up, how that went. Uh, I expect this game to be close very much to the very end. Uh, we both have the Bills in this game. 
I think mainly for me, it's because it's in Buffalo. And not to say that Pittsburgh can't play in the cold and it's not going to be super cold up there anyway, but I just think the home field advantage for Buffalo will play into this. Uh, I think Pittsburgh is a very scary team this year, and they're going to show that in this game against Buffalo, even though I think the Bills will win. Yeah, I agree with you. I kind of went with it. I went back and forth. I think Buffalo is going to be really good. I I think Pittsburgh, like you said, is going to be scary. But, you know, playing in Orchard Park in Buffalo, Bills Mafia, I think Buffalo wins this game. But I think I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close. And Pittsburgh's going to be fired up because they finally got the T.J. Watt contract situation figured out today. So he will be on the field for the Steelers. That he will. And then you got to look at uh, the running back position with uh, Najee Harris. And you're hoping Juju Smith-Schuster can end up pulling out a big season this year as well. Uh, because, you know, we've talked about this in the past that, you know, once Antonio Brown left and the, and the weight shifted to his shoulders, he's kind of fallen back a little bit. But he is a young player, so he does have to kind of build into that role. So I'm expecting a big increase in production from Juju this year because he does have a couple of guys around him that could actually take the, lo- the load off of him and maybe take some of that pressure off as well. Yeah, I think so. He's got to he's got to really step up and be that number one receiver. But they do have some other weapons, and I think they're gonna I think they're gonna run the ball a lot. I think Harris is gonna get a lot of opportunity to run in Pittsburgh this year if the offensive line can open holes because that was their right. biggest question mark last year, and they they could not open up holes for the running backs to do anything. I think there are a couple of games last year the running backs had a combined total of twenty yards. So it, it's it's gonna be interesting to see if that offensive line can do anything for Pittsburgh. All right. Minnesota and Cincinnati. This one is one where we differ on our picks. Who'd you go with and why? I, I went, but this was a coin toss too. I really, I thought about going with Cincinnati. I really almost went with Cincinnati. I went Minnesota. I think, I think they come out and pull this one out. Um, you know, I still have questions about just how healthy Joe Burrow is and how well that Cincinnati offensive line can play. Minnesota's got a good pass rush. So that could put some pressure on him, could put some issues. But again, I think this is going to be a really close game. And while I picked Minnesota, it would not shock me at all if Cincinnati won. Well, I hope they shock you, or I hope they don't shock you because I got Cincinnati in this one. I, I, I'm seeing what Dak Prescott's doing tonight after his injury. Uh, obviously, Joe Burrow's injury is a little different with the torn ACL and all of that. But I, I think he comes back with a vengeance. He wants to prove something. He wants to prove that he's healthy. He wants to prove that. You know, his season at LSU wasn't a fluke. And, and really, the start of his career last year wasn't a fluke. So I'm expecting a big game from Joe Burrow. So I'm going with the Bengals in this one. San Francisco at Detroit. We just talked about how terrible San Francisco is going to be this year. They got lucky because they're playing an even worse team in Detroit. We pulled it with the 49ers in this game. Yeah, we did. Um, and I think San Francisco will win. The only thing that worries me is a lot of times when the West Coast teams – especially early in the season, have to travel Midwest or to the East Coast. They struggle. So, again, it wouldn't shock me if Detroit pulled an upset in this one. But San Francisco should be the better team out of these two teams. And Detroit's got the new coach, and they're trying to really kind of figure out their identity. They don't have a a ton of known talent, and they've got Jared Goff at quarterback now. So you got all that stuff playing into this uh, as far as factors are concerned. And I think – at the end of the day, San Francisco will definitely pull this game out. Now you got – this is another really fun and interesting game. You've got the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Tennessee to play the Titans. Uh, 
we both have Tennessee in this one, but this is another one of those games that you look at and you go, damn, this could be a really close, fun game. Yeah, I went back and forth three or four times on this one too. Um, I think Tennessee – it's a home game in Tennessee. It's tough to beat them at home. Um, I think I think the win – that's the only reason I picked them, honestly, and I went back and forth. It wouldn't shock me again if Arizona pulls the upset because I think that Arizona offense is going to be explosive. But I think at home – and Tennessee's a good football team. Don't get me wrong. They're going to be really, really good. But I think at home they win this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think a steady dose of Derrick Henry – fact that you got two receivers now in AJ Brain and AJ Brown and Julio Jones is another big piece of that as well. Uh and, and Ryan Tannehill's really shown that he can actually be a, a very, very good winning quarterback. I do like what Arizona's got going on. Uh I just think like you said it, it's gonna be at home for Tennessee and that, that crowd's gonna whip up into a frenzy and, and Tennessee'll take this with Seattle at Indianapolis. Now, you got Carson Wentz. He is going to be available for Indianapolis on Sunday. He's going to play Seattle. It's, it's another one of those West Coast teams traveling to the, you know, to the Midwest, crossing time zones. But we both think the Seahawks are going to win this game. And I, I look at this, and I, I, these, these other close games are out there. I, I don't think this one's going to be close, though. I think Seattle's going to convincingly win this game. I do, too. And most of that is because I don't think that Indianapolis is very healthy. I don't know how healthy Carson Wentz is going to be. The fact that, you know, his big-time wide receiver is not playing, I think that's going to hurt him. And, uh, yeah, I think Seattle wins this one pretty convincingly as well. And we just see the uh, the big-time interception for Tampa Bay on a Dak Prescott pass. It was ended up into, what, triple covers there, tipped up, and uh, Davis the third brings it down for the pick. Uh, there is Bay. a flag, though. I think it's after the play, though. I think – but I'm not entirely sure. So we'll see what they uh, what the play call. Although he's holding his hands up like pass interference, so you never know. This could yeah, be well, really a really interesting call here. Well, let's continue to, to work down this one because we've got uh, another differing of opinions here. The Chargers at the Washington football team. And here we go again. Another West Coast team traveling to the East Coast. You go with Washington. I go with the Chargers. Um, I, I know that's a, that's a risky pick for sure. But I, I really like Justin Herbert. I, I really think the Chargers are going to be a really good team this year. Uh, and I need, I need Herbert to be good because he's my fantasy quarterback. So that's kind of why I picked the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, I really like the Chargers. I think they're going to have a good year. But going on the road to Washington with that defense, I think Washington finds a way to win this one. I think, like we talked about earlier, that West Coast traveling to the East Coast early in the season, sometimes it's tough. And I think I think it's a hard-fought game. I think it's probably a two or three point game, but I think Washington slides by and wins. And I think it's probably a low scoring game, honestly. It very well could be. And as we see uh, the results, the flag was going up against the Cowboys. So Tampa Bay does retain possession of the ball after the interception. Uh, Yeah, we've got a ton of really, really good matchups in week one. And uh, then you've got the Jets and the Panthers. So (laughs) we both go with Carolina in this game. Uh, I think on the strength of Christian McCaffrey, probably more than likely. And the fact that it's kind of a revenge game early on for Sam Darnold going up against the guy that essentially replaced him in Zach Wilson. Uh, Wilson looked good in preseason, but this is the regular season. This is the best of the best coming at you. Uh, I think he's going to see that in this game and, and get maybe a touch flustered. And I think that gives Carolina the edge. 
Yeah, I think Carolina will win. I think Darnold will have a big game. Like you said, it's a revenge game. I think Zach Wilson might play pretty well, but I think Carolina pulls this one out. And uh, you know what? We're just going to talk. Uh, we're just going to give our picks for the Jacksonville-Houston game because it's going to be probably horrific. Uh, we both some we go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I almost, almost went with the tie in this one <laughs> because, you know, I don't know if either of these teams are going to be able to produce offensively or defensively or on special teams. Who knows? But uh, we both go with the Jaguars on that one. We don't have to talk about that at all because it's going to be a horrible, horrible game. Uh, and really, I, I want to talk about the next one because it's Cleveland and Kansas City. I know how much you're a Browns fan. I know this is the biggest game of the year for you. Uh, Cleveland and Kansas City. Why did you pick Cleveland? Uh, I I just like I like the matchup. And a big part of that is I have big questions about what Kansas City's secondary is going to look like this week. We don't know if Tyron, Tyron Matthews is going to play. Um, their backup corner on the left side is also out, so they're going to be a little short in their secondary. And with that receiving core that Cleveland has, I'm just not sure that their defense is going to match up. I'm also not sure they're going to be able to get a whole lot of pass rush without Clark being there. So I think that's going to hurt them. I think Baker is going to have time to uh, do some play action, beat up on that defense. And, you know, we know Kansas City's defense is not their strong suit. And I think, I think they're deep. I think Cleveland's defense is better. I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to see Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney in his face a lot. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think it's probably going to be a relatively high-scoring game. But I think Cleveland pulls the upside in this one. Well, you've convinced me. You've 100% convinced me. And there's a touchdown pass to Rob Gronkowski. That's number 100 between Gronk and Brady in their story career. And Tampa Bay is now rolling 27-19. Uh, I'm, I'm switching my pick. I was going to go Chiefs because it's home and it's the Chiefs and they have something to prove. But but you convinced me. I think the Browns do pull the upset uh, on the road because they've got all of the questions answered, at least right now. Whereas Kansas City, like you said, does have a ton of questions. Now, Sunday morning could roll, roll along and all of a sudden – Matthew's back in, that cornerback is back in, and everything's all hunky-dory, and Kansas City goes out and rolls. But I think I think you look at it and you go, yeah, I could see Cleveland really making a statement in this game and going, hey, we're the team to beat this year. You, you talk about KC, you talk about Buffalo, you talk about all these other teams, but Cleveland is who you need to be talking about. Now, a lot of people are going to sit there and say, Cleveland's being overrated this year. They are a team that everybody's hyping up, and they're not going to be good this year. Are they just jealous because they've got a good quarterback? They've got a dual-headed running back tandem. They've got a couple of really, really good receivers. Um, their defense is pretty damn good as well. I mean, are, are people just jealous that Cleveland's going to probably be good? Yeah, a lot of people don't want them to be good. You know, there's there's a lot of people that are like, oh, it's the Browns. Kind of like when the Rams were in St. Louis, greatest show on turf. They're like, oh, same old round, same old Rams. There's a lot of people saying that about the Browns. Same old Browns. They're not going to be able to do it. But I think I think a lot of people underestimate Baker Mayfield. A lot of people don't like him because they think he's a little bit cocky. He's a little bit arrogant, and he is. But he knows how to win, and he he's a team guy. You know, I don't know if you saw there were pictures him and Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper and Odell Beckham went on a little quick family retreat with their families all together last weekend just to get away and have some more bonding time. And I think these guys, I think this team is kind of bonded and I think it's kind of an us against the world type thing they've got going on in Cleveland. And I, th I think they're going to be tough. And I think 
I think we're going to see this game on Sunday, and you said, you know, biggest game of the year. It would not shock me at all if we see this game on Sunday and we see this game as a rematch at the end of January in the AFC Championship game. I think I think these are the two best teams in the AFC. Buffalo is right there, don't get me wrong, and Tennessee is not far behind. But I think the way their offenses match up, and like I said, the defense that Cleveland has been able to put together now, I think they are the two best teams in the AFC. I can't fault you at all in that assessment. Uh, you got New England and Miami. Miami at New England. Uh, this is what I wrestled with. Uh, I, I like where Miami is heading as far as their talent level is concerned and what they did last year, but it's still new England. Um, you've got a lot of returning guys that did not play last year because of sitting out with the COVID stuff. Um, yeah, you got Mac Jones in at quarterback, but I can't believe I'm saying this. I trust Bill Belichick's judgment on putting Mac in this situation and, and letting Cam Newton go. I mean, he, he took a risk in bringing Cam Newton in last year. And I think he was okay when he was healthy. I think when he, when Cam Newton was healthy, he was perfect for New England. He was he was good. But Belichick knows what he wants in his quarterback. And I think he saw enough of it in Mac Jones to feel comfortable starting him this year and letting Cam go without that safety net. So um, I don't think he can trust the Patriots, but I trust in Bill Belichick's judgment. And I'm going to go with the Patriots in this game. Yeah, if it was in Miami, I would have more questions. But being in New England, I think they're going to win. And you talked about Mac Jones. And, I mean, you know, he played in Alabama for Nick Saban in basically a Bill Belichick-style offense. Um, I think I think he's going to go to New England and be really, really good. I mean, he's not going to throw for a ton of yards. He's going to be kind of a game manager guy. Like we talked about, Brady was the first couple of years of his career. You know, just don't make mistakes. You know, make safe throws. And our defense will, our defense will kind of lead us. And I think that's what you're going to see happen. But I think he's going to be good, and I think they win on Sunday. No Sonny Michelle, though, because he's in L.A. now. He's with the right. Rams. Uh, so the running game is going to be different for sure. So we'll have to see how that plays into it as well. Uh, Green Bay at New Orleans. We talked about the fact that New Orleans will not be playing in the Superdome. Um, I don't think that would have mattered anyway in this case. I, I like the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers is pissed off beyond belief, and he's going to go scorched earth on the entire league this year. Um, not to say that Green Bay is going to be undefeated or phenomenal or the best team in the league, but I think Aaron Rodgers is going to put up MVP-like numbers, and that's going to start in New Orleans. Well, not necessarily in New Orleans, but against New Orleans uh, as the Packers win this game for me. I agree with you. I don't think this game will be very close. I think the Packers win running away with it. Uh, yeah, I can't see it being close at all. Denver at the Giants. Uh, the Giants, for me, are a dark horse team to win the East. Uh, I, I still like your pick, and I think I went with it that, that Washington probably will win the East. But if there is a team that can challenge them, I think it will be the Giants. Uh, Denver, Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Um, I mean, Minnesota, when he was up there, great injury happened. He hasn't really been the same since. Uh, Denver doesn't have a great offensive set of skill players. Uh, so I'm going with the Giants in this one. Yeah, I went with the Giants as well. Another West Coast team traveling east. I like the Giants' defense. Denver's got a really good defense. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to put up a ton of points. I could totally see this being a 10-6, to 13-9 type game. Oh, yuck. I mean, yep. sometimes those games are fun, like the 10-6 Rams victory over these Tampa Bay Buccaneers on their way to the Super Bowl. 
But I don't think that's going to be the case in this one. But we both have the Giants in this one. Then you've got uh, the, the Bears at the Rams. Andy Dalton starting at quarterback for the Bears. That doesn't strike fear in anybody's hearts. Uh, and Aaron Donald's just sitting there going, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. I want to be out there every snap. I want to be chasing Andy Dalton all over the place. Let's do this. Uh, I, I think we all can agree the Rams are going to win this one pretty easily. Uh, the Bears have a bright future with Justin Fields and, and a couple of their younger players, but it, it's Rams all day in this one. Yeah, it's going to be loud in L.A. It's the first time fans are going to be in that new stadium. It's a primetime game on Sunday night. The Rams are going to win. Justin Fields should be glad that he's not having to face Aaron Donald in that first game in that stadium. But, yeah, the Rams are going to win pretty easily, I think. And uh, the only wins the Rams are going to have this year are going to be on the football field because this court, this court case that's going on, uh, they keep losing left and right, and I cannot be happier about that. You know, Another change of venue request was put in and denied by the judge in the case. So this lawsuit will go to trial in January here in St. Louis. We cannot wait for that to happen, and we'll see if that bears any fruit as far as an NFL team in the future. So maybe in a couple of years we'll be talking about doing the picks for the St. Louis team. But we'll see. We'll see. Finally, you got the Monday night game. You've got the walking injured Baltimore Ravens versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I know you went with Baltimore uh, in this game, but no J.K. Dobbins, torn ACL. Uh, no Gus Edwards, their backup running back, torn ACL. Oh, and guess what? Marcus Peters may have a torn ACL as well. Um, I, I, you convinced me to change my KC pick to Cleveland. What do I got to do to change your pick from Baltimore to Vegas just to save you the embarrassment? <laughs> yeah, uh, you. I think I might have to because that's that first game. Same thing we talked about with the Rams. It's going to be the same game in the same thing in Vegas. Monday night, primetime game, first time crowds in that stadium, and the Ravens are just beat up. I mean, they're falling left and right. They're losing receivers. They're losing running backs. It may be a rough, rough year for Lamar Jackson because. He doesn't really have anybody to throw to, and right now he doesn't really have anybody to run the ball either. He really doesn't. And in the last two injuries, the ones to Edwards and Peters happened in practice. It wasn't even a preseason game. It was practice, as the great Allen Iverson would say. Uh, yeah, you, you, this is going to be a long, tough year for Baltimore. We thought they were going to be a team that could challenge in that AFC North. Maybe not top overall, but definitely a team that could push, push Pittsburgh for that second spot. Uh, but it is not going to be a fun year to be a Ravens fan. Unfortunately, uh, they just they just don't have any talent right now. And and everybody that they could have had is hurt. And you look at it and you go, do you do you sit Lamar Jackson if you start off 0-3, and protect him, protect the franchise? Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, you've got to put him out there and let him play and try to try to make a run. But uh, it's going to be tough when you're losing skill position players all over the place like that. And then you lose a guy like Peters, who's a big part of the secondary too. So it's going to be tough in Baltimore, that's for sure. So now are you officially, are you changing your pick to the Vegas Raiders? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Raiders with all okay. the injuries. Okay, and, and that's that really is the big reason why I went with Vegas, because all the injuries that came down for Baltimore. Now I do think Vegas is going to be a good team this year. I don't know if they're going to be a great team this year, but I think they will fight and be competitive. Um and it, it's going to be a, a fun season in that uh, that AFC West for sure. That game, those games against Kansas City between Vegas and KC are always fun, and they could pull an upset or two this year as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Raiders beat Raiders beat the Chiefs last year. Yeah, they know, did. At, Arrow, at Arrowhead. So yeah, it can happen. That yes, yes it is. And will yes, I do do some type of announcing for games. Um, 
Yeah, uh, and we talk about it every week. We, you know, Scott and I both do high school football. Um, I'm going to be doing some college volleyball this year as well. Scott does baseball and basketball. So we all do, you know, we both do a lot of announcing. Now, tomorrow night, I'm actually off. I don't have a game tomorrow night, but that's going to allow me to travel out to my alma mater and catch Pattonville's game uh, because I will actually be calling a Pattonville game the week after. They're going to travel to Fox next Friday. So I'm going to go get some some scouting in next week um, and, and you know, catch a, a Pattonville game, go back to my alma mater, check out the band, check out the new stadium and all that fun stuff. But who do you have coming up tomorrow night? I actually don't have a game either because I, I was supposed to be doing Washington and Warrington. Um, that game got canceled because Warrington has a serious COVID outbreak. Ooh. So uh, Washington ended up playing tonight at six o'clock and I was coming home from the ballpark. So I didn't get to do the game tonight. So I have a week off. So I will be at Bush stadium tomorrow night watching the Cardinals Reds game. Hey, uh, not not a bad backup plan for sure. Not a bad backup plan. Well, I cannot come to Dominic tomorrow night. I, I'm sorry, I can't go to St. Dominic. I, I gotta I gotta go check out my my alma mater. I have not seen my high school play a football. Okay, I've seen them play one football game in the and this is gonna age me so bad. It's gonna age <laughs> me so bad. In the 18 years I've been out of high school, I've seen one high school football game at my alma mater. So, uh, yeah, and, and next Friday, well, I can't. Next Friday, I'll be at, at Fox calling the Fox Pattonville game. I'm sorry, man. I mean, you, you got to do a better job of scheduling your your, your high school's football games. <laughs> They've got to work around your schedule for yes. a while. Yes, and, and, well, I see, I mean, I see my favorite sister almost every week. Uh, I go over and see her kids as much as I possibly can. Oh, you're talking about my other sister, the one that teaches at St. Dominic. Oh man. Oh man. If she, if, if she were listening and not sleeping right now because she teaches uh, my, my one sister would absolutely hate me. Uh, and she already does. She already does. So yeah, you know, I guess that means Scott and I are both off tomorrow night and, and the show's still off tomorrow night because usually we have a game that we are calling, uh, but make sure you catch us next week. Next Friday, I'll be doing the Fox and Patville game. And then who do you have next week then? Uh, next week, I think I will be at St. Mary's for St. Francis Borgia at St. Mary's. So that will be an interesting game for sure. Cause St. Mary's yet again, really good. Yeah. It's another one of those teams that you sit there and you go, yay, they're good again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they it all, is what it is. Yeah. They always are. They continue to, uh, produce really talented players year in, year out. That they do. All right. Before we get out of here, why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about the uh, Real Man Real Men Wear Pink campaign? Yeah, it's coming very soon. We're actually having our we're actually having our unveiling next week, next Wednesday night at Union Station. We'll have a uh, dinner and the meet the media, and we're having a little having a little get together. So that will be fun. I got my pictures back that we took with the photographer the other day, so I'll have those out on social media here in the next couple of days, probably. So they turned out better than I expected. I'll say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, the campaign kicks off in full force. The first of October, we're already trying to raise money, trying to get donations. Um, you can see a link to the campaign on our page. You can also see it on my personal page. So if you can donate some money, help us out with the fight against breast cancer, any little bit will be greatly appreciated and stay tuned. Cause we'll be doing all kinds of fun stuff. In the coming weeks and days to uh, support the campaign, we'll, you'll be seeing us sport a lot of pink, maybe even some pink facial hair in the next couple of weeks. And uh, we'll be doing some other stuff and be out and about. So make sure you follow the page, follow my personal page, and uh, 
support the campaign however you can because we really need to do whatever we can to fight the nasty disease that is breast cancer. And are they going to be doing any sort of live stream for the unveiling next week, or is it really just like a, an intimate event with the media? Uh, I think there's going to be a live stream. I'm not 100% on that. I'll find out for sure in the next couple of days, but I think so. I think there will be something. So, Well, if, they, if I, there is, let, let me know, and, I'm, and we'll share it on the page so that people can, can join our page and watch it, and then they can also go. We can link to the uh, donation pages as well. Yep, I will definitely do that. As soon as I find out everything, I should know all the details for sure tomorrow. So sweet. I will sweet. get that out there. Yeah, and, and I, you're gonna have to give me the you're gonna have to show me a sneak peek of these pictures too. Yeah, I will. I'm gonna have to bust out a suit and tie again next week for the for the event too. I'm having to wear too many suits and ties for this thing, but uh, it's for a good cause, so I can deal with it. Yeah, you know what? Whenever it's for a good cause, you will do anything. You will travel to the ends of the earth to make sure that that, that cause is being supported and well represented. Well represented. I, I know for me, you know, shaving my head would be something I would I, I think I would have to do if if that were. To, to be the case uh it's something i wouldn't do any other time but if it was for a cause is for for raising money for breast cancer or cancer research or something to that effect uh, i do it in a heartbeat for that as well so yeah sometimes a good cause will make you do things you normally wouldn't do and for you wearing a suit it would be the same thing for me i i, I gotta wear a, i gotta wear a nice a nice attire for my uh, broadcast news class because we do newscasts now and right. I'm like, I, I put the jacket on the other day and I'm like, this is so not me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the nice thing about broadcast news, though, is, is you can rock the suit coat and the jacket and then you can have and the tie and then you can have like shorts and flip flops on because nobody can see that half of you. Unless you're doing the weather, which is what I was doing. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then you then you can't pull that off. But uh... yeah. It, it is what it is. It is what it is. So yeah, make sure to go to our page, go to Scott's personal page, find the link for the real men wear pink campaign, donate as much as you possibly can to support the, the research of cancer, breast cancer, especially, and uh, definitely check out the, uh, the stuff that's coming your way there. Well, once again, tomorrow night we are off and we will be back with you. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to record something for Saturday morning uh, to make sure we get uh, that college football and the NFL uh, previewed as well. So look for something Saturday morning. And then Monday night, we'll be back as well for another edition of the Toasted Tavern. We're Scott. I am Wags. Enjoy the rest of your night. And if we don't see you, have a great, great weekend. Hey, it's you, man, here from Casey. For all your sports news, catch the Toasted Tavern with Scott Tobin and the man called Wags weeknights at 9 p.m. You can follow Toasted Tavern on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's get toasted.